You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. For everything, for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host. George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. Woo! Welcome in, Colts fans, to another edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Ryan Hickey alongside George Bremer. George, I'll be honest, two weeks ago, I did not think I would be as shocked doing a post-game pod when we talked about how the Colts and Texans tied that opening week. I thought that would be the biggest surprise of the season. Two weeks later, I'm even more surprised now as the Colts beat the Chiefs 20-17 to to get their first win of the season than it was even two weeks ago. We talked about it, and we got a lot to get into here. A lot of good, a lot of bad. The defense was really good. Special teams stepped up. Still a lot of areas of concern. We'll get into all of that. But, George, my goodness, the last thing I thought we'd be doing right now is talking on Sunday evening about what is the Colts getting their first win of the season. I'm still in shock. How about yourself? Yeah, never a dull moment around here. The voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, came through here, cameo appearance uh, on the pod. But yeah, it's look, it's never boring here in Indy, right? I mean, it, lots of things happen. Uh, it's every week here feels like a season. I mean, it's been that way, I think, for quite some time now. Uh, and and today was just another one of those. I mean, you've got one win, one loss, and one tie. And I don't know if any of the first three weeks has made much sense in and of itself. This is your right. This has actually been a very adventurous Blue Horseshoe pod to kick off. We have literally gone through all the emotions so far through three weeks, and we have had all the results you could possibly have in an NFL season a tie, a loss, and now a win. If you had Jelani Woods, by the way, score on the first basically non main contributor touchdown on offense, that's not Jonathan Taylor. It's not, not Michael Pittman Jr. Cash on your ticket. Congratulations. You are doing well for yourself. And we, I think we got to start there, George. The final drive of the game, Colts. Have the biggest drive of the season so far, 16 plays, 76 yards, took eight minutes and 14 seconds off the clock, really ate into that fourth quarter. Um, they only allowed Patrick Mahomes to have 24 seconds left to get the ball back when they eventually did take the lead. It ends with the Jelani Woods, his second touchdown reception of the game. I will say this. It was an ugly game for a, a lot of it, and we'll get into the negatives, but credit to the Colts, credit to Matt Ryan for – in the big moment, finally, because I feel like I've been saying it for now, at least four or five different drives to the first two games. This is a drive where the Colts have to score. you got to get it done. And on the fifth time it felt like so far in, in game number three, they were able to get it done, get in the end zone, convert a few big third and fourth downs, and they finally, finally answer the bell for really the first time this season with their most impressive drive of the year. Yeah, they were closers today. You know, we've talked about that going all the way back to That's the preseason. Point. They were closers today. They came out. They, they got that touchdown on the final drive. Uh, obviously, a huge penalty on Kansas City to keep that drive alive. 
Uh, but it doesn't matter how you get it done. You know, at the end of the day, this league is is about what's on the scoreboard when when the when the clock hits zero. Everything else honestly doesn't matter. Uh, if you win, you're going to move on, and if you lose, you're going to be hanging your head. And it really doesn't matter how you got there. Uh, but I think what the the biggest takeaway for me initially for this game is they they were closers all the way around. I mean, first and foremost, that drive is is the first big moment for Matt Ryan as an Indianapolis Colt. You know, he's played in this league for a long time. That's his arrival here on this football team. That's what they brought him in here to do, to go out there when all else looks lost and and you have to get the points on the board and do it. You know, he did it in Houston to, to force overtime. He did it here tonight to, to win the game. They're going to obviously they'd love to put themselves in a position where he doesn't have to do that at some point this season where maybe you yeah. can just take a knee and then win the game. But honestly, this is what he's here for. Right. I mean, th- this is why you go and, and get Matt Ryan so that you you feel confident in moments like this. And I asked Paris Campbell in the locker room after the game, how much confidence was there? You know, when when you're going out there and, and, and you know who your quarterback is and he says it was just overpouring from everybody on in the huddle. It doesn't matter what had happened to that point. They absolutely believe he's going to get the job done. Uh, Jelani Woods to make an outstanding catch, uh, you know, it was a great play by him. Uh, he kind of knew he, he read the defense. He said he was single high safety. He kind of knew the he obviously knew the play call. He kind of knew the ball was coming to him like his feeling was. That, and so his mindset as he went to line of scrimmage is I got to make this play. And he did. So, you know, give the rookie a lot of credit because he goes out there and makes the biggest play of his career so far. And I think Alec Pierce should not get lost in this discussion. He had a huge third down conversion earlier on that drive. I think that was the drive Michael Pittman Jr. literally took the ball away from a defensive back. Um, You know, we've been saying all year long, these wide receivers need to step up. Somebody needs to make a play. These tight ends, you know, somebody needs to go out there and make a play. That final drive was all about pass catchers stepping up and, and making a play and, and helping out their quarterback. And then the defense closes the door. You know, I mean, look, 24 seconds, I'll be honest. I wasn't sure that that Matt, Patrick Mahomes wasn't still going to find a way to at least force overtime because that's what he does. That's why he's Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but Stephon Gilmore gets in there, tips the ball. Great play by him. Rodney McLeod, the veteran safety is in the right place at the right time. He gets the interception. He slammed the door. Uh, that's, look, 100 things went wrong. We'll talk about that later. Fact of the matter is, for the first time all year, when it was clutch time and somebody had to make a play, the Colts had several guys step up and finish. And so now they're they've got their first win of the season. I'm so glad you made the the closer point, George, because right, that's one of the motivations to bring Matt Ryan in. Right, you go back to last year with with Carson Wentz and this team. They got off to hot starts all the time, and they could never close the door. And so many of their losses start with either a drive on offense that they couldn't score in the end zone to win or tie the game. Or in defense, it couldn't get one more stop to win the game. And like you said, this game, this final drive, you had Matt Ryan, who has up to this point really struggled and was mediocre through the first two games and really three quarters of his Colts career. Eight of 10 on that final drive, 55 yards, does throw a touchdown. And like you mentioned, you have Alec Pierce step up with two big plays, including one to get them deep into KC territory that set up the Jelani Woods touchdown. Jelani Woods kind of clutch with it with his second touchdown reception of the game. And you look at that final drive, George, you had seven different Colts players either run the ball or catch the ball. So we've talked about guys outside of Michael Pittman Jr. and Jonathan Taylor stepping up and making a play. And in the biggest drive of this season so far, seven different guys, whether it's Hines, whether it's Taylor, whether it's Matt Ryan himself on a huge fourth down, getting two yards to keep the chains moving, whether it's Alec Pierce, Paris Campbell, Jelani Woods, Michael Pittman Jr., they all stepped up. They all made at least one play on that drive. 
And even though they got the help and boy, do they need it? Do they need the help of that Chris Jones, just stupid, inexcusable penalty that should have ended the Colts drive and instead prolonged it. They were able to punch the ball in the end zone and credit to the Colts because look, it's one thing to get the break. Like they did, you know, they, they got the fumble uh, on the first drive of the game. That Sky Moore fumbled deep in his own end. And then you have the Chris Jones penalty. But you know what good teams do, George? They capitalize on other mistakes. It's one thing to get the mistake. It's another thing to actually finish the job. And to the Colts' credit, even though they needed some help, they were able to use that help and, like you said, slam the door and finish the job for the first time in a long time. That is impressive, and that is something to be encouraged about, even with all the bad, all the negative. That is something you can kind of hold on to going forward that, hey, they were able in the biggest moments to kind of lock in. They had confidence. I think it's really telling, too. Paris Campbell saying we still had a lot of confidence going into that final drive. Because like you said, there's, there wasn't a lot of belief, it feels like, last year when this team come down the uh, down the stretch. That is one thing Matt Ryan does bring, and credit to him, because they were able to not only have that belief, but then back it up with a touchdown that ended up the game. Yeah, and I got a hats off to the defense. I don't know who got the game ball. We'll probably have a video out soon. I'm sure. Uh, it seems like that's that's the the era we live in, right? Every week, if, if yes. you get a win, uh, the team sends out the Twitter. But uh, Gus Bradley deserves it. Him and, and that entire defensive coaching staff, every player on that defense, it wasn't one guy. Uh, you know, yeah. stats aren't going to show it. I think they only had one sack. Uh, yeah, one. Yeah, sack. one sack. Uh, but they were all over Patrick Mahomes all day. They were making him move around. They were making him work for everything he got today. I think the defensive line won this football game, in all honesty. They kept giving the offense chance after chance after chance. Now, they needed some breaks. But going in, you knew that. You know, I think we said before, whether it was food poisoning from St. Elmo's or whatever <laughs> it was going to be, uh, that you were going to need some help. You know, when, when, when you play a game like this, generally you need some things to go your way. So a missed field goal plays a big factor in this game uh the muffed punt you talked about earlier plays a big factor in this game the penalty on chris jones plays an enormous factor in this game but the fact of the matter is i, I think the colts defense there's a lot of credit for continually bringing those chances up making plays when they had to make them getting off the field on third down they still probably would like to have more explosive plays we've been talking about that it's still there i think there's one turnover and one sack today but you can live with that when the turnover is the one that that clinches the game and when the sack was part of an overall effort that really had they hounded Davis Mills and, and Trevor Lawrence like they did Patrick Mahomes today, they'd be three and zero. You're 100 percent right. And I'm glad you pointed the defensive line because like you said, you look at the stat sheet or if you just watch the highlights, the defensive line really won't show up today. And like I said, they had I think it was five quarterback hits and then like you mentioned, the one actual sack. But they, I thought they were the most disruptive they've been all season long. They weren't just getting after the passer and pressuring Patrick Mahomes. They're also doing a great job in the run and really not allowing any of the Chiefs running backs to break off big runs or really get any sort of ground game established and be balanced on offense. But like I said, they're able to at least force Patrick Mahomes off his spot, hold on to the ball a little bit, and force him to either throw the ball away or kind of double take or check it down instead of allowing guys like Travis Kelsey to kind of run free and kind of tear up the defense. They did a... (laughs) excuse me, a great job in continually getting, you know, consistent pressure. And it wasn't just one guy. You know, Unique Ngakwe, you had DeForest Buckley, you had Quiddy Pay flashing, you had Dio Dangbole kind of getting in there and getting pressure. It's kind of similar to what we talked about in offense in that final drive, being all different guys contribute. Same thing with the defensive line today. Grover Stewart was a man possessed, especially in the run game. They had contributions on that defensive line alone from five, six, seven guys, I can think off the top of my head, that, that made a player or, or put Patrick Mahomes off his spot. And they did so, George, without blitzing, I don't think, one time. 
So we talked about, you know, the the struggles Gus Bradley's defense has had against Patrick Holmes. He's thrown 17 touchdowns to just two picks. Anytime Patrick Holmes has faced a Gus Bradley defense, either in, uh, either in LA or Las Vegas. And today, really nothing overall scheme-wise changed. The execution was a lot better. And just the talented guys we talked about, big players making big plays we need them, stepped up and they came to deliver. That's what I was going to say. I mean, one of our big things last week was, look, you've got a lot, you got 10 Pro Bowlers on this team, 10 guys who've been to a Pro Bowl on this team, and none of them were really, outside of Jonathan Taylor, stepping up and, and making big plays. And today, I think Stephon Gilmore showed up. Yannick Ngakwe yes. showed up. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan has the game-winning touchdown drive. He showed up. Uh, you, you had more of those guys. And then when you get the support of an Alec Pierce or Jelani Woods, you know, somebody else comes in like that. I thought Bobby O'Karake had a really good game today. You know, a couple big op- open field tackles uh, kind of flying around the field and making plays and being the guy that he can be in, you know, in this defense, they, there's something to build on, you know, the, that, that element that they're missing, those explosive plays. We, we know where that comes from. We know who does that for this team. Uh, he seems to be getting closer and closer to the field. Uh, he certainly was, was letting us and the media know in the locker room after the game that uh, we don't know what we're talking about when we count out this football team. But, you know, Shaquille Leonard, it, there's reason to, to be confident moving forward with this defense. I think that this is a this is the kind of performance you can build off of. You're going to get your best player back here at some point in the next few weeks. Right. Uh, this is This is the kind of performance you can build off of. And two areas, Georgia, are really impressed outside just the defensive line in general, finally kind of getting that consistent pressure we've been asking for that we haven't seen so far. Two areas that the Colts have struggled in in the first two weeks that I think they really showed up this week. Number one, we talked about, you know, pass defense in terms of this secondary right now has not been able to really cause a lot of pass deflections. Like you've been on them for really not even being around the ball and having, especially Trevor Lawrence in week two, a lot of easy completions. You look Patrick Mahomes, just 20 of 35. So that's pretty inefficient for Patrick Mahomes' standard and um, you look, the Colts had six passes defended. So they were, again, on. they were tight on a lot of receivers. They were getting their hands in the way. They were knocking balls out. Travis Kelsey had just four catches, 50 yards. He did have a touchdown. But that's a guy who usually could just take over a game. They held him in check for the most part. So that was one area, especially you've been asking for specifically, hey, be the, you know, make plays. And to the Colts' credit, they were there uh, knocking down passes. But also, too, third down defense. You know, we got on this team, especially last week in Jacksonville. They could not get off the field on third down. You look at the Chiefs in this game, just three of 10 on third down and some huge clutch third down stops to either limit, you know, just to a field goal, which was huge, or get off the field and force a punt. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the third down defense is, is the biggest number. I think this was Stephon Gilmore's best game as a Colt. Yes. I know he had the one play late. He kind of overplayed his his hand and, and Smith Schuster got free, but the defense came back and got the stop and it leads to a missed field goal. Other than that, I just felt like he was he made some huge open field tackles. He was really active, you know, getting his hand on the ball and, and I think making it tough on these receivers. Uh, and that's what they need. And, and, you know, underrated part of this, Julian Blackman goes out uh, early in the game because he's got an ankle injury. Uh, we'll see how serious that is. He wasn't in the trainer's room after the game. That doesn't always mean anything, but at least it's, you know, it's better than than not, I guess. Um, but Rodney Thomas came in and a rookie, six-round pick out of Yale. Uh, it got wiped out by a holding penalty against Kansas City, so it wasn't as necessary, but he saved the touchdown. He, yep, he made he a did. great closing play, and I think that's a kid that, you know, look, you need to you need to get – some kind of contribution from all 53 over the course of the year if you're going to be a good football team. Rodney Thomas, I think, opened some eyes today. And that's a great point too, George, because it all kind of goes back to a bigger theme of of today's win, which is just contributions from everyone on the roster. That's not been the case whatsoever for the first two weeks. And whether it's offensive, like I said, they're all different guys on, on final drives. 
or defensively, like you said, just guys showing up, making plays, and then even injuries. Because even Stephon Gilmore, like you mentioned, had one of the best games of his young Colts career. But even still, you know, CBS was reporting he's in the locker room with a hamstring injury. missed, <laughs> I think it was about roughly a quarter, give mm-hmm. or take. But he was not on the field for a little bit of time. And the Colts, even in his absence, you know, that could have gotten ugly with, with Patrick Holmes and his prolific passing attack. And they still held their own, kept everything in check. And even when the offense was not picking them up, Late in the second, uh, late in the first half, where kind of you know you allow Patrick Holmes to have, I think it was just about a minute and a half, I'm not mistaken, uh, an opportunity to go down the field and score a touchdown for half, and they got the ball out of the third quarter. They did a great job there, kind of limiting the damage. Like I said, the defense, you want to give them an all, entire uh, defensive unit game ball, go for it because they deserve it. They play their ass off all three units: secondary, linebackers, defensive line, whether it's the stars, whether it's the backups. Everyone contributed in this one. That's just great to see because so far through two weeks, we've not seen that. No, hey, Isaiah Rogers got on the field too. That's kind of a big yes. moment as well, yes. right? I mean, he's, he, we got to see the first first uh, snap for him on the defense side of the ball. But no, I mean, they just play. I think that's the way this defense is supposed to look. Not entirely. It's not a perfect picture. They still need. They, ideally, they get more takeaways than they did today. Uh, but that's a hard team to take the football away from as well. So uh, oh, yeah. I, I just think the Colts did exactly what they had to do. We talked about it. You know, during the week, if this defense is going to be successful, they're going to have to plaster these receivers. They're going to have to get after Patrick Mahomes, and they absolutely did it on pretty much every snap today. And the biggest play of the game, they they forced the first interception on Patrick Mahomes this season to finish off the game. Like I said, it, tremendous, tremendous effort uh, offensively in that final drive and defensively all throughout the game to limit this highest scoring, prolific Chiefs offense. Just 17 points. Very, very, very impressive. So we highlighted the offense so far, especially their, their great final drive. We've highlighted the defense, the great play all throughout the game. George, we may be you know, uh, missing, or at least haven't mentioned yet, the most consistent unit throughout the entire game. That was special teams. We'll get to that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod does return. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Keep rejoicing, Colts fans. The first win of the year is in the Bucks 2017 over the Chiefs. The defense was great. The offense was clutch when they needed to be. And George, we've had questions about special teams, right? Rigoberto Sanchez, unfortunately, goes down. We had questions about punter. We had questions about kickoff coverage. They're getting gashed all throughout the preseason. Special teams unit against what is a very good special teams team in the Chiefs was outstanding today. Punting, coverage-wise, it was just an amazing effort from the special teams unit and Bubba Vatron yet again. Yeah, first off, hats off to Chase McLaughlin, a 51-yard field goal. Uh, that's first 50-yarder in a while around here. Uh, and he also sure. hit, I think, a 43-yarder, which is the, uh, the question coming in with him was 40 to 49. That's where he struggled. 
comes out and his very first attempt is in that range and he makes it. So, you know, good day for him. But the, the guy, I think the, my game ball on special teams goes to Kylan Granson. Uh, he recovered the fumble, the, the muffed punt at the beginning of the game, that that's seven to nothing lead. I think that gave this team a huge lift. The biggest lead they've had all year at this point uh, <laughs> was right there at that moment. Uh, and, and then Granson also later comes down on the second punt and downs it at the one yard line. So, you know, Hey, hats off to Kylan Granson. Uh, that you need those kind of things. When when you win a game, you're quote unquote not supposed to win, and this is the NFL. So what does supposed to win mean? But when you win a game, you're not supposed to win. You need those kind of developments to come up from people, you know, outside of the normal kind of realm of of things. And and Kylan Granson's one of those players. You know, coming in, he wasn't an X factor. He wasn't a key to the game, uh, but he went out there, and he's a big part of the reason they won it. I'm not even sure. I got to check you. I don't think Colin Grant's even got a catch on, on offense, but you said he, he's still okay. My apologies. But Wait, like, because he had the third down uh, that got overturned, but that's another. Oh, story. yes. Yes. That's right. That's right. But like I said, his offense uh, or his impact offense was minimal. But like I said, he deserves, especially in the game ball, because he was tremendous and impacted the game. And when we talk about this Colts team, too, like they need to win in areas like that on special teams. We saw them last year get a few wins because their special teams unit stepped up. And this game especially, had Matt Hawk doing a great job punting and pinning him deep twice inside the 20. Like I said, the second punt in the game, the first where they get the fumble that they recover, the second one they pinned down at the one-yard line, did a great job of keeping, uh, keeping Patrick Mahomes and Co. backed up deep in their own end. And then, too, you see on the other side, when the Chiefs try a, a fake punt – or, excuse me, a fake field goal, they convert that for either first down or a touchdown – who knows where you know where this game is going? Because that was the last time the Chiefs truly had the ball before the Colts went on that long fourth down drive that eventually ended in a touchdown. You score a touchdown there if the Colts are caught sleeping or they're just not paying attention or a little slow off and not prepared. That's that, that can be the game right there. So credit to them for not only making small plays, you know, when they need to, but also being aware and not getting caught, you know, asleep at the wheel when the Chiefs try to kind of, you know, pull one over their heads really quick. And that, again, helped change kind of the momentum of the game when you stuff the Chiefs on that fake field goal. That's off the bubble of Ventrone. I mean, he's he, there's a reason uh, he's gotten so much credit during his time here in Indianapolis. He, he's His unit generally is ready to go every week, week in and week out. When they're not, we really point it out because it's such an, a major, you know, it sticks out like a sore thumb when, when, when they have a bad game on special teams. And so uh, for them going out there today, yeah, it's hidden yardage like that makes a big difference. Uh, and for the Colts to be able to go out there and, and make those plays, uh, it helped to keep them, you know, leading through the, the first quarter and, and keep them in the game. I mean, as you mentioned, there were a couple of times there were Kansas City had a chance to take a two score lead in, in the fourth quarter. And a lot of times special teams is the reason it didn't happen. Defense had a lot to say with that as well. Uh, but I think those two those two units, the defense and special teams vastly improved from the first two weeks. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot to like about the way they played and a lot to be excited about for them moving forward. Kickoff coverage, too, was tremendous. A few times they were able to pin the Chiefs back, and especially on that last drive for Kansas City, outside of a, a stupid, unnecessary roughness, I believe it was the penalty on EJ Speed, that gave the Chiefs an extra 15 yards. And they were about to be pinned deep, deep in their own end that, you know, really could have, you know, again, we, the Colts got the pick, game's over, they won the game. But that could have been, you know, even a, a more momentum-changing play outside of penalty. But, again, they did a great job kind of, again, making the Chiefs go – long down the field. They did not give Patrick Holmes and Andy Reid any breaks. We know the Chiefs don't need many breaks to have success anyway. They did a great job of making them earn it this game. At least the special teams did a great job. And, and true, it's it's almost weird to say, but even Chase McLaughlin making two extra points, 
I feel like we really mm-hmm. can't even take those, you know, uh, for certain. Um, especially it's a big moments where you, you after they score the touchdown to get that three point lead and not have it be a two point game where uh, a field goal wins it, let alone tie it. Like it should be automatic, but I feel like especially with the Colts kickers of late, you can't say that. So nice job by Chase McLaughlin. Like I said, not only making two long field goals, but just doing has to do in, in terms of making both extra points. Uh, Chiefs had a replacement kicker out there. We all know Harrison Bucker's hurt. Yep. He's got the ankle. He missed an extra point and he missed a field goal. And I think, you know, those four points, look at the final score. Uh, it's a big part of, of of what happened out there on the field today. And, it, you know, arguably they, they got the extra point back on, on a two-point conversion. We won't go too far into that. Let's just put it this way. That's a very liberal interpretation of control. I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to get it. Like, I, what a, Joe, I will say the officiating in this game was very, very weird. It was both very ways. confusing. Both, yes, For both yes. teams. Because there should have been a face mask call on what it was a holding call before I think it was the final fake field goal that should have negated what was a holding call. It could have gave the Chiefs an extra third down opportunity. Now, the flag was thrown. They picked up for whatever reason. Like I said, we don't know what it catches anymore. Well, I don't know how they ruled Travis Kelsey got, got in or had control. It was uh, officiating did the Colts and Chiefs really no five years either way. But at least at the end of the day, did not ruin the game um, or decided one way or another. That is for sure. But boy, oh boy, it is. And you too, you even, I guess another point to make talking about kicking, you, you also see, like you mentioned, backup kicker for the Chiefs. He missed a field goal, missed an extra point. You wonder if he hits one of those, either the field goal or makes an extra point, Andy Reid maybe kicks the field goal instead of opting for a fake field goal. All of a sudden he makes it. It's a seven-point game instead of a four-point game. You go to overtime and who knows, you, you lose the coin flip. Mahomes goes right down the field. Like These are all small, small details that, again, could you know do, does swing a game one way or another. And for the Colts, that's, thankfully today, it swung their way. And that's the NFL. I think it's funny. We, we, we sit right. here and we dissect everything all week long and we talk about all the major storylines and you know we, we talk about the big picture, but so many games in this league come down to something like this. I mean, I think there was a punt in, in Buffalo off of like an offensive lineman that ends up as a safety for the Dolphins yes. today. I mean, things happen. A butt punt. You know, I mean, <laughs> it, it, that's what makes this league the greatest reality show on earth. That's why everybody's so addicted to it why it's got the ratings it's got you know the, the tiniest little things from from week to week swing things uh you know and now here we are sitting here talking about a win for the first time this season and in so many little areas that that kind of you know made that happen and i think it look a lot of people are going to sit there is the glass half empty is the glass half full because kansas city obviously had a hand in this there's right. no question that they, they they kept giving the game back but I, my bottom line is it doesn't matter in the NFL. It doesn't matter how you won. If they make the field goal in overtime in Houston, it's an ugly win, but you still have the win. It it, it doesn't matter. You just get the W in the NFL. You don't quibble about how it happens. And like I said, you don't apologize for winning, right? It doesn't matter if, it, if it's pretty or ugly. A win is a win. Like I said, you, they're not apologizing in Houston in week one if, if, uh, if they make the field goal. And they're not apologizing now for actually finally getting over the hump and winning what was an ugly game. So speaking of which, George, before we get into the negatives, because there was still a, a lot to kind of harp on here and be concerned about, let's just kind of talk about what you, what you just mentioned. Would you consider this a Colts win? Like, did they win this game or did the Chiefs hand it to them and kind of the Chiefs lose this game? Which side of the fence would you be on? Yeah, if I'm in Kansas City right now, I'm sick to my stomach because I think this was a, a, a just a tailor-made opportunity to be 3-0. The Colts offense was really struggling. You know, everything from the missed field goal to the muffed punt to the penalty that that extended the, the game-winning drive, uh, take away one of those things, and the Chiefs are still undefeated. So if I'm Kansas City, I'm sick to my stomach. By the same token, if I'm the Colts, 
I put myself in position to make that matter. The first two weeks, the Colts didn't do that. Today, they did. And that that matters. That's important in this league. You have to be ready when someone wants to hand you a game to take it. You know, and, and today the Colts did. I like I'm with you. I think the Colts won this game. Like it was ugly. And like I said, there's a lot of negatives here. And the Colts did a lot wrong here. But we it's kind of goes back to what we mentioned before. Each team is presented an opportunity to win the game. And whether again it's a an interception, whether it's a fumble, whether it's just a, a nice player, whether it is a stupid penalty that should have forced a pump, but instead now the Colts get life and get, you know, their last drive, they get a first down out of it off of Chris Jones's penalty. You have to, it's one thing to get it. But if you don't convert on it, if you don't make the other team pay for it, it really doesn't matter. So you you can get breaks, but if you don't do anything with them, what good are they? So to the Colts' credit, they not only got the break or two that they needed to win this game, they actually made the Chiefs pay. And they went down, they scored a touchdown. Like The game wasn't over. There's still plenty of field. I think what the Colts around, I believe it was around midfield uh, after that penalty. So it's still had 50 yards to go. Chiefs could have got a stop. They, had, they faced a few third downs after that. Colts converted their credit. And afterwards, after you score the touchdown, the Chiefs had 24 seconds and I believe two timeouts to, uh, to you know, move down the field, and the Colts forced an interception. So it was ugly, and the Chiefs did a lot wrong. Don't get me wrong. But I would say the Colts won this game in part because, like you said, you get opportunities to win. And the Colts took the two opportunities they had, the Chiefs gave them, and they took them and ran with them, and they won the game. Because like you said, week one – Texans gave them opportunities, and vice versa. The Colts gave the Texans plenty of opportunities to win that game. Neither team could convert. That's why they ended up in a tie. This is a game where the Colts went out and made the two plays you needed to make in order to win the game. And like I said, with the NFL, even with bad teams, with how bad the Colts were coming in and how good the Chiefs were looking coming in this game, it comes down to one or two plays. Who makes them? In this game, the Colts made them. There's always a way to win in the NFL. I said that earlier this week, and I said some weeks you need a little more help than others. Some weeks there's a few more obstacles in the way. The Chiefs cleared some of those obstacles out of the way today, and the Colts were able to 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 make it happen. That they do in 2017, first win in the books. The always sexy 1-1-1 one, one, and one record so far as they do uh, get set to take on the Titans, who they got their first win of the year uh, earlier today as well. So a few wins now starting to sprout up in the AFC South. When the Blue Horseshoe Pod does return, like I said, we talked a lot of positives, and there were some good things to take out of this game. But also, George, for, for almost four quarters, or really three and a half quarters, there was a lot of ugliness, especially from the offensive side of the ball. We will dive into how concerning the offensive output was when the Blue Horseshoe Pod does return. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
As always, Colts fans, like and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Ryan Hickey alongside George Bremer. So, George, the Colts get the first one of the season. A lot of reasons to be happy. A lot of reasons to rejoice you and feel good, whether it's a Sunday night, a Monday morning, whenever you listen to it. Feel good. Have your chest puffed out. Have a smile on your face. This is this is something we have not felt so far in Colts land through three weeks and really, frankly, in a very long time, going back to last year as well. But it wasn't all, you know, sunshine and roses, George. There were definitely some areas of concern. And really, the areas of concern were mostly on the offense. And really, between the offensive line and, and Matt Ryan, there were some areas that were, were super concerning, super ugly. Um, let's start with Matt, Ryan, uh, Matt Ryan's performance first here because he, in the end, to his credit, was clutch and did get the final drive in, in the end zone. But there was a lot of shakiness, a lot of inaccuracies, a lot of miscommunication, really the first three and a half quarters. That is a little frustrating to see talking about, you know, a, a 37-year-old vet in his third game. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, he's got he's to take better care of the football. Uh, too many fumbles. I mean, the, the ball is just coming out too often. He'll be the first one to say that. Both of the Chiefs' touchdowns in this game were set up by short fields after Matt Ryan fumbles. Uh, one of them was on the fourth down. The Colts recover it, but it's fourth down, so it doesn't matter, and it's still basically a turnover, and the Chiefs go down, and that's their first score of the game. They miss the extra point. Now it's a 7-6 to six game. They take the lead again when Matt Ryan doesn't feel the, the pressure behind him and, and fumbles away the ball deep in Kansas City tor- territory. So when we talk about how great a defensive effort this was, they gave up three points without a short field from the offense making a mistake. Uh, Matt Ryan knows that that's not going to be good enough. There's, there's no way on earth that's acceptable, uh, and I know that's one of the things that, that they need to really work to to improve. Uh, but it all, even that part of this game, keeps coming back to this offensive line. You know, I said it before, things will improve with this football team when the offensive line improves. And again today, you know, through three quarters, the biggest problem is, is this offensive line. There were third downs. The Colts absolutely had no chance. People were busting through. The, the fourth down play, the third down that, that should have ended their game, you know, the one that Jones gets the penalty on, there were at least five. There might have been seven Chiefs in the backfield on on that after that sack. You you can't do that at this level. You can't do it at any level. I don't care if you're in high school. You can't do that. It's going to lead to to really bad offense. And uh, that to me is still the biggest like bugaboo moving forward. You've got to find a way. I think in the fourth quarter they they played with the tempo a little bit. They went a little quicker at times, and it seemed to slow down the defensive line a little bit. They got a little better protection doing that. Uh, but you can't do that all game. That's that's not going to work. Uh, they've got to find. To me, that's that's public enemy number one. You've got to find a way right now to shore up specifically that pass protection, but the run game too. Jonathan Taylor had twenty one carries today. I know somebody on Twitter during the game was like, "Where's Jonathan Taylor?" They were trying to get him involved in this game. They averaged three yards uh, an attempt. This is a football team that's been around five, even in bad games, for the last couple of seasons. So. You know, the offensive line has got to, they've got to pick it up. That's still a, to me, that's still a sore spot for this football team. I mean, they showed a graphic during the game, George. It was like they were, you know, highlighting, you know, the highest yards per carry in NFL history, minimum 500 attempts. And they're trying to tell, like, I think it was 5.3 or 5.7. I forget the exact number, but he's well over five. And like you mentioned, they fed him the ball. I think he had like 10 carries after the first quarter. They fed him mm-hmm. early. It's just, you're right. There were not a lot of holes. He didn't have the ability to get kind of any momentum going. And that's a large part because this Colts offensive line wasn't opening up many holes for him to kind of, you know, get through the first level and make a man miss and kind of get off to the races. But like you mentioned, go back to Matt Ryan's offensive line. It is, I don't personally, look, I'm not a coach. I'm not in the meetings. I'm not sure if it's on like Ryan Kelly to be, you know, communicating better or it's on Matt Ryan to see the blitzes more and be on the same page. But there were free uh, free blitzers running 
all throughout the offensive line all game, whether it's from the edge. And like you said, Matt Ryan doesn't see it. There's a few times where Jonathan Taylor is blocking to the left and there's a free rusher coming off for the right or vice versa, where there's a communication breakdown. The one you highlight, there's one, you know, there's a few times the Chiefs weren't even disguising the blitzes they were doing. They're coming right up the A gap and there's Ryan Kelly going one way. The blitz is coming right up the middle. It's an easy sack for Matt Ryan who's not going, you know, he's not fleet of foot, obviously. And it's just like, I don't know who that's on. If it's on, you know, if it's combination of Matt Ryan, the offensive line or both, but whoever it is, you got to figure it out. Like you've had all offseason. There's no excuses where there's injuries and, and, you know, guys were not, you know, on the same page. I know this is your first year in the system, but this is also game three, George. Like you can't be having communication breakdowns and, and not having everyone on the same page for pass protection, especially when we're talking about a 37 year old quarterback that can't run anywhere. And like you mentioned, the two fumbles, one of them, especially he was trying to make a run for it and, and get out of the pocket. He's holding the ball like a loaf of bread. He's not outrunning anyone on the defensive side. So you need better ball security, but also you need to give Matt Ryan at least a chance to stand up and be in the pocket and make a throw. And it's just maddening because it's fixable. It's correctable. But so far through three games, it's kind of like the same thing over and over again. Yeah, and it's usually a team effort when that goes. I know that I, I haven't specifically asked them this year, but since Frank Reich's been here, the center's usually one calling the protections because they feel like the quarterback has enough on his plate and they don't want to put that there too. But you still got to be on the same page, obviously, together. You know, if, if Ryan Kelly's calling one protection and Matt Ryan's thinking in his head that it's another protection, you're going to get those kind of things happening. Um, it doesn't really matter why it's happening. It doesn't really matter who's to blame. It it just needs to stop. I mean, at this point, right. uh, it just needs fix to fix it any way you can. You know, it really needs to be fixed. But I think they saw this before. You go back to 2020 with Philip Rivers. Uh, there was a stretch early in that season, really a game in Cleveland that comes to mind in particular, mm-hmm. where they just had all sorts of protection problems and Rivers looked terrible because of it. You know, he couldn't get the ball out. I think he had a safety, I want to say, in that game or something silly happened around the goal line. Uh, where he you know made a poor decision and, and it led to a really bad play for the team and you they were able to fix it that year and get things on track uh, and I think they're going to have confidence again with a veteran quarterback that they're going to be able to do it but the time is now there's no there's no grace period here you know what I mean there's no leeway uh, it's it's gone on for t- far too long already and it it just it needs to end and I guarantee you Tennessee and not to preview next week's pod but I guarantee you Tennessee will take a, advantage of an offensive line playing uh, the way it has for, for much of this season. I mean, this, I honestly, we're talking about the highest paid offensive line in the NFL, George. And here we are after game three, still talk about their horrendous performance. And I even thought early on when Spags wasn't blitzing and it was just four on five or even five on five, I thought the Colts like did a decent job at pass protection early on mm-hmm. and giving Matt Ryan time when it was just kind of almost one V one. But then later in the game, they started, you know, struggling. You had Danny Pinter getting beat like a drum sometimes. Look, Chris Jones, I get it, is a tough guy to, to slow down. But also, too, even like you have examples like fourth and one, and they get stuff. John Taylor gets stuffed. Like this, you cannot be getting stuffed on fourth and one, getting needed one yard with your all pro running back at Jonathan Taylor with an offensive line that's getting paid the money they're paying, like getting paid. You, like you said, just fix it. You have to be able to get some sort of push and get a first down. And their credit. Later on in the game, in the final drive, Matt Ryan had a QB sneak on fourth and one. They were able to get a push. But it's like the, the fact that here we are still talking about inconsistent pass protection, miscommunications, not even being able to get a yard on fourth and one. It's maddening. And this team's going to only go as far as our offensive line can take them. And even still in a win, we're still talking about a lot of the struggles. And that's one of the really the areas we point to of concern 
it, it's unbelievable, honestly, George. Yeah, there's going to be no consistency for this offense until that's fixed. I mean, that, that's just the way it is. As long as they continue to to have these breakdowns, uh, you just can't have a consistent offense at this level without your offensive line taking care of business. You know, it, when it's a snap-to-snap situation, as it has been for most of the year, uh, this this is the results that you're going to get. And it, honestly, if if they had better protection and they, they opened some holes for, Matt, for Jonathan Taylor, they might have run – one going away today, which is crazy to think, but that's with the mistakes the Chiefs made. You know, if this offense is consistent at all and, and is moving the ball and, and getting the end zone, you know, now there were some good things. I mean, I think they were two for two in the red zone or two for three in the red zone. So, uh, you know, that's that's a big step forward. I think they were better for the most part on third down today than than they have been. Uh, even with it's the problem is when they're not good on third down, they have no chance. Like right. I think that's the biggest issue it, when they miss on third down. It's because free rushers came through and hit Matt Ryan before he even really stopped his drop. So you can't, you can't be that uncompetitive on snaps. You know what I mean? Um, you just, you've got to give yourself a chance. You got to give yourself a chance to, to, to move on to the next play. Uh, Matt Ryan's side of that for sure is holding on to football. He's just got to take better care of the football. He cannot get, I think he's fumbled seven, seven or eight times now uh, and lost two or three of them. That, obviously is not sustainable that's got to end uh but part of that too is this this offensive line is again the highest paid offensive line in the league uh you know they take pride in in being the engine for this team they they need to get better they just they need to 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 live up to their standard especially for the fumbles of Matt Ryan as a veteran he he needs to know better as well. like yeah. you have to have feel the rush you have to tuck that ball you cannot be holding it out or you know, not sensing a guy behind you have to be a, have better pocket presence and better ball security. Like I said, like getting sacked is one thing and it's a killer, but getting sacked and fumbling and giving the Chiefs uh, a short field, giving the Texans a short field, you can't be doing that and winning ball games consistently. That's for sure. Is it time, George? Like this is now again. <coughs> Excuse me. We're sitting here after three games, still concerned with offensive line. Do you consider making a change? You know, I wonder if they did this week. I I asked. Marcus Brady on Tuesday, if they if there were any personnel changes coming on the offensive line, his answer was kind of evasive. He basically said, not at this point. You guys will know when it happens. And I wonder if the Raymond injury kind of stopped some of that. I don't know. It's total conjecture on my part. I want to put that out there right now. I don't want to see any George Bremer reports headlines after this. <laughs> but I just – I do because, you know, the rookie was out today. We know that. He didn't play. He was injured all week. I think he practiced one day limited uh, out of the three. So uh, ankle injury, I don't know how long that's going to be, when he's going to be back. But I wonder if that kind of fouled up some of those plans uh, in, in any way they might, whether it's putting him at right guard, whether it's maybe moving around some other guys and, and figuring out a way to do that. Uh, but I do think it's definitely it's it's well past the time to to take a really long, hard evaluation of where this offensive line is at and where it needs to be going forward. I was going to say, because obviously, you know, you've been at practice, you can kind of see, would Raymond be able to play guard? Like, if they're going to make a change, it's not going to be Quentin Nelson, obviously, or Ryan Keller, Brainson. It's going to probably be Danny Painter at right guard. Could he slide yeah. in at right guard? I, I think Pryor's a better fit there. So I think okay. the question becomes, you know, is do you feel confident enough in Raymond at left tackle? And I don't know what their answer is. They obviously felt confident enough to send him out there a few times. They, you know, he's when he's healthy, he's had a few series. Uh, right. Played pretty much. 
most of the fourth quarter against Jacksonville. Honestly, he was he was a left tackle and obviously got injured at some point during that. Uh, but I think that's the bigger question is, do you feel confident with him at left tackle? Uh, because I thought Matt Pryor had a decent game today. I know you're going to look at the stats Same. and say you're nuts, but he really wasn't a big part of the problem. I thought he did a good job today. Uh, you just you've got to figure out something in the interior there and specifically with Danny Pinner. He's struggling right now. It doesn't make a lot of sense. As good as he was at center last year, it really doesn't make a lot of sense for him to be struggling the way he is at right guard. Obviously, Chris Jones has a lot to do with that. But guess what? Jeffrey Simmons is on the other side next week. It doesn't yep. get any easier in this league. No. Uh, so, I look, you know, what are they going to do? I don't know. Uh, but I think they're, those discussions, I imagine, are happening. Uh, and if not, they need to. Yeah, and you look to uh, to the future schedule. I wonder if this is also going to kind of work, you know, in the Colts thinking. Obviously, the Titans coming up next Sunday. Then you have the short week going on the road to Denver on that following Thursday. So especially with, with Raymond's injury, if he right now is still kind of, you know, slow to get back and maybe he's not fully healthy next week. If you're thinking about a change, you probably wait till after week five against the Broncos when you have that, you know, mini buy in about 10 yeah. days or so. To, if you're going to make a change, you would think maybe that's the time to kind of you know, orchestrate an offensive line change. But like you said, something has to something has to change if this offensive line cannot turn it around. The only thing I wonder, not to because Danny Pinter's been bad for sure. The one thing I do wonder, especially when it comes to communication in his play, no one really plays in the preseason. Other Colts played more in the preseason than most other teams, but we're still talking about at max they played a quarter. I wonder if these first, you know, really the first month of the season, you still kind of see teams working the rust off and especially the offensive line. I wonder if this, and I'm hoping. This is a unit that maybe is still just kind of, you know, now knocking the rust off. And you hope, like, starting, obviously, starting Sunday against the Titans, they could kind of clean it up and tighten it up. Otherwise, like I said, if we're sitting here week four and week five and it's still a problem and they're still conservative offensive line, a change has to be made. At that point, there's no more waiting. But, That's a good um, point. That's a really good point. And we've seen that with Frank Reich's teams. You know, I think a lot of times the reasons for the September struggles are the offensive line's not quite where it needs to be yet. It's not as bad as it's been so far this year, but it's not where they want it to be. And and I do think that that's a really good point. That's something that you got to keep your eye on. Uh, and just, but I think the, the, the good news, you know, kind of negative this segment for the first time this year, they have like a lot of really positive things to build on. You've got that final drive. You've got an outstanding performance from the defense. You've got a great game from the special teams. Like I think for the first time this year, they can go to practice on Wednesday and and have a foundation that they can feel good about. You're right. And I hope George, like, you know, you do feel like kind of the world is caving in when you tie the Texans week number one, then you lose to the Jaguars. Like, it's very easy to get down and, and lose confidence. You almost hold like this week, you just kind of get the monkey off their back and have them playing free now going forward and kind of like, oh, okay, we could do it. You know, we, we've seen it before. We, we got the clutch, you know, drive. We got the clutch stop we needed. And you hope that kind of this win over a really, really good Chiefs team kind of help inject some life going forward here, especially when they're going to need it with the Titans coming to town this time next Sunday. Final thing I want to mention here, George, before we wrap up the uh, the postgame pod is this. I think it's pretty obvious. This Colts offense is not going to be explosive whatsoever. If they're going to drive down and score touchdowns, if they're going to make plays, it's going to come at seven, eight, you know, nine uh, yard chunks at a time. There's going to be very few times outside of a busted coverage or maybe a broken tackle we're going to see 30, 40 yard plays outside of really trying to tell it. This, especially in the passing game, it's been really dink or dunk, five, six, seven yards at a time. And like you mentioned, if they're struggling on third down, this offense does not have a prayer. Yeah. Well, and I think, again, that all goes back to the line. Like, I agree also with what true. you said, uh, but I just, there's not time right now to take deep shots. There just isn't. You know what Very I mean? And, and it can change when, when you get 
some time in the pocket. It's it's really incredible how how different things could look in a few weeks if if they can get things together up front. If they can get that unit together, uh, this offense could you could feel a lot differently about it. But as I said coming into this week, I need to see tangible results. We can talk about what's possible till we're blue in the face. Uh, and that's fine that you can back it up with with whatever numbers that you want to. But at some point, you need to see it on the field. I think that's what was big for Jelani Woods and Alec Pierce. There's no more conjecture with them. You've seen them do it in huge right. moments here today that you need that right now from the offensive line. They need to go out there. You know, you could say, well, the final drive, they were pretty good. And they were. They need to build on that and they need to put it together for a full 60 minutes. Like I said, hopefully this is a, a confidence-boosting win for the Colts, a much-needed much, much needed win, and a very unexpected win, a very unexpected, happy Blue Horseshoe post-game pod here as the Colts do beat the Chiefs 20-17, get their first win of the season. Uh, now they are 1-1-1. One, one, and one on the year. So that'll do for this post-game pod. As always, follow George on Twitter at GM Brown. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. We'll be back for our midweek pod to, again, still kind of reassess where this Colts team is at and start to look ahead to what is a massive week four game against the Titans. They come to Lucas Oil Stadium. The Colts need, need to win this one. So we'll start uh, previewing that one on the next episode. But between now and then, enjoy life. It's a Colts victory. Have a nice smile on your face. The Monday morning coffee, I'm sure, tastes a little bit better after a nice Colts win. And enjoy the the week so far. We'll talk to you on Wednesday right here on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast.